This is Model Behavior. I am Michael G. Gable, and this is my podcast. Welcome to it. I am a model, and models can get a bad rap sometimes. Um, at the very least, we're thought of as dumb, and beyond that, we're often thought of as vapid, superficial, shallow, all those negative things. And today's guest, Tara Blanchard, is anything but those things. She is a very bright person, both in the fact that she's intellectually minded and that she also gives off a lightness. She's very thoughtful and sensitive and grounded. And she has a really great perspective on her career and her life and finding balance between the two. But we will get to that interview. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what's been going on in my life. I just finished up a new serial killer piece. I did H.H. Holmes in Cheerios, who is the subject of the book Devil in the White City, which is a an amazing read for anyone interested in true crime, serial killers, history, architecture, or any of the above. And um, I'm excited that I got that one done because I'm on to the next, and I'm putting a little spin on my serial killer series. Um, I'm not going to share exactly what it is yet, and hopefully I'll be debuting it at a show here in town, so stay tuned about that. And I also want to talk about an audition I had a couple days ago, which Tara and I actually talk about a little bit, but I want to get more into it because I had to, I had to memorize something really quickly. I didn't hadn't gotten the the lines for the audition beforehand because something went wrong with the system, and I walked in and was given the lines um, right there, and I kind of had all the time in the world to memorize them, but I chose to test myself and see how quickly I could memorize them. And the casting director did not think I could pull it off, and I did. And she, she's an actor as well, and she, as I was leaving, she's like, you need to teach me how you memorize things. Like, how do you do it? And I was just kind of joking, like, oh, it's my job. You know, what else am I supposed to do? That's, that's what I'm good at. But I started thinking about it, and I don't know if photographic memories are a real thing or not, but I definitely have a visual memory because I can remember being in Spanish class in high school and we'd have vocab tests. And if I was stumped on a word, I could look in my brain and picture the worksheet and look on the left side, pan down to the English word, and then look across to the Spanish word. And I could sort of remember it that way. Very visual, very spatial. And that ties into a book you may have heard of called Moonwalking with Einstein by Jonathan Foer. And it's about the memory games, which are competitions where people compete in memorization. And they can memorize like 10, the order of 10 packs of cards, playing cards. So there's 52 cards times 10 is 520. And they can memorize the order like really quickly within minutes. And it's all about visual tricks. They create these things called memory palaces where they walk through these spaces in their brain and have certain images that tie into certain numbers. And they sort of tell this story in their brain of the order of decks of cards or whatever else they're tasked with remembering. And that's sort of how I do it. I, I visualize um, this story of what I'm trying to memorize and 
that all go I never read the book. I've actually <laughs> I've just read about it as any millennial would say. But I've also watched a documentary on the memory games and a lot of it ties back to the way we were wired to memorize things, which is spatially. Um, you had to remember where you found food. It's sort of how bees will do this dance for each other to tell other bees where the good pollen is. Um, so creating a spatial visual, it goes back to what I was talking about in a, in a couple previous episodes where I was a really good liar as a kid. Um, you know, mostly about innocuous stuff you're trying to hide from your parents, but I would create the scenario of the lie in my head and I would visualize it and almost build it like a memory so that the memory of the lie that I had created would begin to replace the memory of what actually happened. And when someone would ask me a question about what happened, my brain would go straight to the lie and... <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, it was really effective, which was not great for my nefarious purposes as a delinquent teenager, but it's super helpful for acting. Um, you know, a lot of acting coaches and commercial auditioning classes will tell you that it's, it's important to visualize what you're doing. And when I was memorizing the lines from, for this audition, I, I very carefully pictured what was going on in the scene. And it was a scene in a car dealership. So I thought about times when I've gone into a car dealership or car dealerships that I've seen on TV. And I pictured very specific details. And that's how I was able to recall the lines so quickly. And it, it, that's, that's how I do it. I mean, if that answers this casting director's question, um, yeah, I do it visually. I do it by storytelling and spatial visualization. And I also do it through pressure, because I like the pressure of auditioning, which um, Tara and I also get into. And I don't want to talk about me much longer. That's all I got. This is a delightful conversation. And it was a big step for me because this is the first interview I've done where I had never met the guest before. You know, everyone I've interviewed previously are people who I've worked with or are in my industry who I've met at auditions at least. I've seen face to face, but Tara, I had never met. Um, I'd seen her in the modeling community. She's a, a big fitness model. So I, she pops up on Instagram feeds. And I, I think, you know, I had followed her on Instagram at one point, but I always find it kind of weird to follow people I don't know on Instagram, especially girls, because, you know, Instagram is sort of turned into this new dating app and the whole sliding into the DMs thing. I don't, I don't know. Even when I was single, I never did any sliding unless it was in a baseball game. Um, but yeah, like especially now with, you know, having a girlfriend, I, it just always seems creepy to me, but Tara and I have circled each other in the modeling community and she had posted that she listens to the podcast and we connected and we were chatting about it and she agreed to come on and we had a really wonderful conversation. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy Tara Blanchard. Yeah, it's definitely a work in progress. Yeah, I, well, so is life. So is life. Well, thank you for having me into your home. Thank yes. you for being on the podcast, taking the leap to talk to me, a perfect stranger. Yes, thank you for having me. I feel very honored. I You listen to your podcast all the time, and it's thank really you. neat to hear from our peers and our friends. So yeah, I mean, fun. you were asking before we started recording about like why I was interested in starting a podcast, and 
I talk, I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts and they have this huge network of comedians who have podcasts and they all like cross reference each other and go into those podcasts and talk and share stories. And, you know, we kind of do the same thing on set where we all have, you know, downtime on set. And once you get into the modeling community, you work with the same people, you see the same people, everyone works with the same photographers. So you'll see a post with, you'll see Steph and then I'll see, oh, there's Tara and I've never met her, but mm -hmm. she seems to pop up all the time. So it's nice to just sort of find a way to sit down and have those conversations that we have on set in a more permanent way. I agree. Yeah. Excellent. And I'm really happy that you were able to have me here because I know you had some trouble with the fires recently. Yeah. Um, my fiance and I actually got smoked out. Yeah. Um, we came back from a trip from Ireland and woke up at 3 a.m. with sirens and all sorts of wow. hoopla outside. So I'm grateful to have my family close by that we were yeah. treated to because it was it was pretty unbearable with the air air quality. Yeah. You don't want to be stuck in that. So it's nice that you had family nearby. Yeah. Did you exactly. grow up in the LA area? I did. Yeah, I grew up a little outside in a town, a little town called Malibu Lake. Okay. I kind of describe it as the mountains behind Malibu. Um, so is it like Agora? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Agora yeah. Hills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like right on the border, if you know where Triumpho um, and Troutdale and the old place. Yeah. Oh, I love the old place. Yes. Right yeah. around the street from the old place. Really kind of rustic, neat vibe yeah the old place is a great restaurant for it's like for good for date night or mm -hmm. birthdays it's this like it's like an old post office or something on like the pony express like it's it's really cool yeah the history yeah and they have like steaks and all sorts of great food yeah. um so growing up in malibu lake you said mm -hmm. what were you up to when you were seven years old oh the question the question <laughs> um this actually when i was thinking about it was one of my favorite times in life yeah um, because this was the year my sisters and I transitioned from the public school system uh -huh. to homeschooling. Really? Yeah. And I was so excited. I, at the time, was a child actress. I really wanted that freedom uh, to pursue the thing that I absolutely loved, which was the performing arts. Yeah. As well, uh, my sisters and I were competitive athletes growing up. Okay. And we just had uh, a lot of travel and excitement that we wanted to focus and to be able to have that freedom. Space, yeah. Space and homeschooling. Um, and what I find most impressive about that was my parents, they didn't go to college or they were in academia themselves. Mm -hmm. And so to take your like three young girls and create a district recognized school. Yeah. It was called Trampa Hills of Academy. We had our <laughs> own like sweatshirts and everything. And that was just your home. Yeah, our home, our <laughs> office. Dad was the principal, mom was the teacher, and it gave us the freedom to pursue the things we loved and excelled at at the time, which was, for me, the performing arts and sports. Yeah. So what sports did you play? At the time, it was rhythmic gymnastics, competitive okay. rhythmic gymnastics. And then uh, when I was eight, so right around that time, I got into competitive track as well, in okay. track and field and cross country. Runner and a gymnast. Yeah. So it makes sense that you would, you know, a lot of your stuff is athletic modeling. Yeah. Um, and you're with Wilhelmina. Right. Yes. In L.A. and New York. Yeah. And um, yeah, I've, I've seen your portfolio on Instagram and on your website, which is tarablanchard.com. Tarinamodelina.com. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a real like lightness to your shoots, which, you know, we don't necessarily have control over what shoots we get booked on. But as you build your portfolio and do test shoots, you can kind of move your career in different directions. So do you think that 
I don't know. You sort of, I've sort of had this association of like Malibu, Topanga, Agora, you know, this sort of hippie sort of just like flower child sort of living in the, in the tall grass, you know, running around barefoot. Um, do you think that sort of upbringing has influenced what you gravitate towards in, in your career? Absolutely. Yeah. I love more of the natural movement based free flowing, um, uh, captures. Yeah. And I would say growing up on a sort of ranch with horses and chickens and awesome. I kind of grew up barefoot running around gardening. Yeah. So it's really neat to be able to book some of those shoots that are very more so ethereal. Yeah. That's where like my heart is. But I also have to say coupled with the athleticism mm-hmm. of the fitness model that we both, you know, get to, you know, explore and yeah. have fun with. So it's just like, I love modeling so much because for me, it's, um, it has both the dichotomy. It can be very like, for me, feminine and like very ethereal Mm -hmm. things. I book like bridal and stuff like that, or I can really tap into that competitive athleticism, power. Some of that Steph Cordial stuff. Exactly. Like Under Armour intensity. Yeah. Yeah. And so explore those different aspects of yourself and, uh, and move. I just, oh, it's, I love it. It's great because you do get to kind of flex those different aspects of your personality as being a competitive athlete and also a gymnast. And then also, you know, growing up on a ranch, it seems like you have a nice balance of aspects to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and then I was, you know, I was doing a little bit of research on you and I was looking <laughs> at your Instagram bio and your website and it says, uh, athlete to artist. So how, what's your definition of artist? that's an interesting question coming from you as a fine artist yeah i would say as a model we are all are performing artists absolutely i think it's like silent acting Mm -hmm. and you're expressing and emoting um energy yep and that in itself i feel like is an art form and telling a story and so i see myself as a visual artist yeah i also love writing that's not something i uh, do professionally but it's just a pastime more so that's nice yeah um but even as an athlete, I, I don't I don't know. I guess my definition of artist is quite broad, but mm-hmm. it's uh, when you're in a creative space and doing what you love, that's like writing, um, art, uh, painting, drawing, athletics. Movement, yeah. Movement, yeah. Yeah, because I've had a lot of people be like, well, you studied fine arts, so like, why are you modeling? And I always tell them like, sets are the most creative places I've ever been. You know, I've always been drawn to artist studios and I love the idea of like a loft covered in paint and, you know, canvases everywhere. But when you're on set working with photographers and directors and DPs and lighting and set design, you know, you're also part of the art. You are helping to evoke an emotion through Mm -hmm. your, the composition of your body and your facial expression and your mood and your tone. And it's the same as any other medium. You're just using your body and your face and your wardrobe and everything else to evoke whatever emotion they want the audience to to feel, which mm-hmm. hopefully inspires them to gravitate towards a product or some sort of aspirational goal. And I think that's cool because I don't know. I, I you know I do fine art on, on the side and I I write and I don't do that as professionally i've done some published work but mm-hmm. i think it's all intertwined it's all expression yes would you agree i would agree yeah i would absolutely agree i wanted to ask you what you love about modeling um 
I love that it terrifies me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've actually been thinking about this a lot because I just had, so I had this audition two days ago and I got there and they were like, did you get the sides? Which is like the dialogue for the audition. And I was like, no, the link didn't work. And they're like, oh, it's not working. So they handed me a page of sides, which was a dialogue. It was me buying a car and it was me talking to the salesman. And it's, you know, six back and forth of a couple sentences each. Um, and she's like, you're the only person here. So just take your time with it. And then I looked it over for like two or three minutes and I was like, okay, I think I'm good. And she, the the casting director was like, there's, there's no way you're ready. And I was like, no, I think I got it. And the guy signing people in was like, he looked at me like, dude, don't, you don't have this. Like, don't do it. And I was like, I think I can do this. So they took me back in the room like, all right, we'll see. And we did the first take and I like nailed it. Wow. I nailed it. Yes. And I was a super shy kid growing up. I used to like clam up when we'd be in class, you know, well, you were homeschooled, so you might not know this, but on the first day of class, they're like, tell us your name, like where you're from and something about yourself. I would like, my heart would pound. I'd be like out of my mind, nervous, and I'd be stuttering. And Mm -hmm. so after auditioning for years and years and years, I've been able to get out of my comfort zone and then turn something that's not my comfort zone into my comfort zone. And now I feel like I'm, good at putting myself on the spot and whether it's speaking off the top of my head doing those personality interviews or learning lines and delivering them i feel like i've grown so much and that's what one of the aspects i really like about modeling Mm -hmm. because it's not natural to be put on the spot and to be the focus of attention especially in the auditioning room where it's all about you you know everything's on the line the job is on the line and then when you get to set it's almost easier you know, because you're getting paid whether you do a good job or not. You want to do a good job. But I like the pressure there of being a part of the machine. As we talk, I talked about with Chris Reed on the last episode where everyone's doing their part. You know, the cameraman's in position. The lighting guy's got his light set up. The set's not falling over. I don't want to be the guy who causes us to have to do retake after retake. Mm-hmm. So that pressure of they call action or they start shooting like you need to hit your marks. You need to do your best to to evoke that emotion that they want. And I think I need that pressure to be motivated because otherwise if I'm in a nine to five job, I can just kind of float and do the bare minimum. And I don't like that feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, have you, have you done the nine to five grind? Have you had a real job? I can't say I have. Good for you. I feel very lucky. Yeah. 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 I do feel very lucky in uh, being able, I'm, I'll be going on my 10th year as a full-time model starting next year already, which I can't believe. But alluding to the fact that we're all like what you just said, um, working all together. Yeah. And like how you said in your last podcast, like that more military aspect of everyone has a job Mm -hmm. and contributing to the, you know, fluidity of the success there. Um, Yeah. I love that you can contribute to something bigger than yourself. Yeah. And it is kind of, they call you to action and you just have, you have, there's no other choice yeah but to step up yeah and it's like on the line you know there's a lot of money a lot of time everyone's there and i i agree i just wanted to say i love the pressure that we Mm -hmm. kind of are forced to grow and learn and as killian would say take the leap and the net will appear and so always flexing that trust muscle and then that confidence just grows and you're like wow okay yeah what an opportunity we have and sometimes it feels like i almost like 
black out when they call action. Like oh, I'll yeah. be auditions are one thing where you're like kind of, you're so nervous because he's like I want to book this job. It's a callback. Blah blah blah. But even on set, you know, you could be practicing your lines or thinking about your marks or your interaction with your scene partner, and you might be messing up every once in a while. But then once they call action, I kind of just go into this <laughs> like no excuses. Yeah. And my I I trust that my brain and my body know what to do and I can sort of shut off my mind. So it almost becomes this sort of, I don't know if it's like meditative or a flow state where it's like, I'm not in my head. I'm like, it's like that self transcendence. Like you said, like you're doing something bigger than you. So it's not all about you, but it is all about you. I don't know. There's a balancing act there Mm -hmm. where you feel the importance and the responsibility to do your best, but you're also working for a greater goal. So you, you can kind of let go of the reins a little bit and yeah, get out of go. your get yeah. out of your way. Absolutely. Yeah. So, how did you go from <laughs> homeschooling in Agora to modeling? How did you how did you get your start? I grew up as a child actress. Okay. So, I have the gift of both my parents who actually met through modeling. Interesting. They were always placed together as a cute couple. So, I I saw that growing up my dad was an actor as well. So, I had the early influences of of just knowing that was possible. And mm-hmm. then I was introduced to it quite early as well. And I did films as a kid and I really loved it. But then I took a break for school and sports. And yeah. my sisters and I pursued the sports. And then it wasn't until my senior year of high school, I got injured and I needed a distraction mm-hmm. and opened the door back to just the print side, just modeling. Yeah, And so it was actually the most organic like one week I was just uh, really frustrated because I was recruited at the time I, for USC and I couldn't run my last senior year. And I was like, wow, I need to jump into something quick. Right, I need a purpose. You I need, need a pur- Exactly. Yeah. It was like that moment I think a lot of people can relate to of like you're being an athlete your whole entire life. And if you lose it all of a sudden, it's like, who am I? What am I? You know, wh- what do I want to do if I'm not the athlete? Yeah. And we've talked about that with Kelsey Kenoki and, yeah. you know, Steph, who had a her toe in pro sports but right you know either your career sort of like you kind of hit the end or like yeah an injury can can derail it completely and you have to be ready for that and people often aren't prepared and it's nice that you're able to to get back into modeling and find something that gave you purpose and fulfillment and it sounds like it, it did yeah it just really taught me that when one door closes another is always there to support it and and, and open so just yeah. keep your eyes peeled yeah and listen to yourself and yeah, I, I right out of the gates, I actually booked my first casting, which was really helpful because it yeah. gave me a boost of like, yeah, that's all right, nice. <laughs> it was for prom dresses and being a senior to book like a prom dress campaign. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow. Okay, what's yeah. this? So thankfully, God was like, okay, here you're, this is where you're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. That's It told me just to keep following and trusting myself. Yeah. And I jumped into that and then, uh, yeah, it kind of took off from there. I used the summer months. I, I ended up running actually for USC, but that same injury was uh, kind of persistent. And so actually um, my first freshman year at USC, I ended up getting surgery for that injury. Mm-hmm. And so then again, it put me out and I said, wow, okay, well, I'm not one to be a stagnant stew. I'm not right. going to sit here and wait for, you know, I'm going to jump to actually what's working for me. And that was modeling and actually school, of course, as well. Yeah. But so I always took the summer months then to work abroad cool, and build my book in Germany. And uh, that's what kind of gave me the platform here coming back home with like European tears to really 
um, continue to grow as a model. And then yeah. actually it wasn't until about like, I would say five years ago, do you agree with this? The whole fitness world didn't mm -hmm. really become a thing until actually mo more recently, like in the beginning, maybe it was just because of the agency I was yeah. with at the time, but I was not doing fitness work in the beginning at all. Yeah, it was more boutique because I'm, I'm with SLU and I've been with them for, I think seven years now, six years now. Yeah. And they were kind of it for fitness. There was a few yes. other agencies like that. But now you'll see like Wilhelmina has a sports division yeah. and, you know, the bigger agencies have fitness divisions. So it's it's gone broader, I think. Yeah. Whereas like every model is now dabbling in fitness where it used to be there were fitness models, yes. there were editorial models, there were e-com, runway. It was all very segmented. Mm -hmm. And now you can you can kind of drift between all sectors, I think, within one agency. Mm -hmm. So that's nice. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious what your child acting experience was like. Illuminating. I mean, it really uh, showed me that I had a knack and loved performing. Yeah. I was very comfortable in front of the camera. Yeah. And I loved it too because I shared that passion with my dad. Yeah. And so I really loved our time practicing lines together. And I was a very serious, disciplined kid. Mm -hmm. And I loved working as a professional like yeah. that was a part of me wanting to be homeschooled i didn't like playing with the other five-year-olds i wanted to be with adults you were grown up yeah yeah I, I was really happy being on set yeah and i was in a pretty like hardcore scary movie that i actually didn't watch until senior year because i had to write a paper on it yeah and uh wait so the, you had an assignment to write a paper about a movie you were in yes coincidentally yeah wow and so uh I guess re-watching it as like an adult, it was like, um, yeah, wow. Uh, it was just a great growing experience and yeah. to contribute. It was American History X. It was like a really, oh, wow. yeah, ra racially um, intense movie. Yeah. And I was like five or six being a part of that and being on set. So for me too, it was learning about what's, what's acting, what's real and what's not real. Mm -hmm. Because I was really afraid of my brothers who were like these really terrifying skinheads. And I thought you meant your real brothers. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. But my brother's on set. Yeah. So my parents had to keep explaining to me like, this is not real, honey. So yeah. like, as a child, things came... I was had to do children roles. It was easy. Yeah. Right? It Most of it's just playing. Yeah, it's kid. really yeah. I mean, it super simple, low key. And again, yeah. my role wasn't very that big. But I was still around and like had a contract yeah. and was seeing everything going on yeah and uh so yeah it was i got a it was a great learning ground i mean that's a that's an intense movie to be a part of as a kid and it, it probably definitely gave you the full picture of what yeah like you said what is real and what is fake and mm -hmm. like edward norton's doing the podcast circuit right now because he's promoting motherless brooklyn brooklyn so he's always talking about american history accent did they when you were on set when you got the project did they sort of keep you sheltered from the full scope of it because i know like um in the shining that kid thought he was in like a family comedy because mm -hmm. they were able to shoot it in a way where all the scary stuff was separate from him and he didn't know that he was in this horror film was that the case with you or did you did you know what you were doing no i didn't know the extent of the content yeah and they just brought me in and out for my scenes yeah but there was a scene that i was actually sitting on my mom's lap and it was with edward furlong and they asked yeah. me to say um a bad word mm -hmm. and sorry i don't really cuss i'm very more of a conservative like a wholesome person and especially at five and six yeah so i remember feeling extremely uncomfortable and they just the reason they asked me to do that was to show the you know the the spiral of the and the effect of the whole family even down to the little five-year-old me yeah and um 
at the current discussion. And I remember feeling very uncomfortable saying that. And I, I tried and it was like really for, <laughs> wasn't a very good actor at five, apparently <laughs> couldn't say it. So um, yeah, that, that scene got cut, you know? So there were moments like that where I was just like, I've always been very strong with what I've not been comfortable doing. Well, that's almost a compliment to like your spirit. Like you just can't pull off cussing yeah. because it's not, not in you. No. So, you know, uh, that's why I love modeling now. I don't have to yeah. you know go down a negative pathway. What I've realized now about, you know, I, I started to look back into acting as an adult. Right. And for me, I really love illuminating happiness and goodness and health. And there's a lot of content out there that's not so happy and healthy. Yeah. And you and I don't want to be part of that. Yeah. So. And that was going to be my next question is whether you are, you know, are, have designs on being in the acting world as well. And it sounds like you don't. You're kind of happy with modeling. And I've been thinking about this a lot, too, because it comes up. Um, people are like, don't you want to be in movies? And. I don't think so. Um, you know, growing up in St. Louis, I didn't have parents who were actors and models and, you know, Hollywood was so far away. And I did have this weird inclination towards being an actor since I can remember. And I don't know where it came from. And I think I'm fulfilling that itch through modeling, which I didn't think was an option as a kid. As a, you know, as a kid, I thought models were Victoria's Secret models, Sports Illustrated swimsuit models. Like I didn't, mm -hmm. male models in my head weren't a thing. But I think I'm getting it through modeling. And what I've realized more and more is that when I used to think I wanted to be an actor, I used to think I wanted to live a thousand lifetimes in one. I wanted to try on all these different personalities and roles and attitudes. But the more I've become comfortable with who I am and the more I've grown as a person and as a model, I find that I want to be the best version of me, not the best version of someone else you know actors are always being praised for their ability to pretend to be someone else whereas in modeling and in your life i think being the best at who you are is way more satisfying you know i don't want to spend six months learning how to be a psychopath and then come home <laughs> to my girlfriend and her children and be like it's oh unhealthy. yeah i'm not crazy like right. let's readjust to normal life um so it sounds like you've kind of arrived at the same conclusion yeah, I would completely agree with your perspective. I think you yeah. said on a previous podcast, like if a role came to you that's pretty authentic to who you are, yeah. like or military or something that you're excited about, like, yeah, yeah sure. Like, why not? It's a cool experience. Why not? Yeah. Let's learn, let's grow in that. Yeah. But I am very specific on what I want. Mm -hmm. And I, I love modeling, and I'm not really willing to go in and dive into the deep, uh, negativity of the world i really like to rise above it and be a, and not have to go into that so if i don't have to that's great yeah, yeah. and i mean if, with modeling like you you tend to book the roles that are the most you you know you can i get sent in for like edgy and like all these different you know like dark or like strung out and i'm like you're probably not gonna pick me like i'll try yeah, i'll put yeah, on yeah, my yeah. edgiest clothes yeah, but like i'm a pretty clean cut white guy from the midwest so if you can make it work i'm happy to play but otherwise yes. you know it's just going to be an audition repetition and i'll go on to the next one and i'll probably book the the guy who looks like me and acts like me and dresses like me because that's what i can bring to the table mm -hmm. um and you said you're very specific in what you want so what do you want it sounds like you've you've carved out a a healthy balance in your career. You have a lovely home, a fiance, family close. What's on the horizon for you? What's What do you want, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Why well, I'm very grateful and feel very privileged to do what we do yeah. as a model. 
I absolutely love the travel, the work, the creatives, all the artistic people and conversations. And um, for me, it's a life filled of growth and mm -hmm. learning. And so I want to keep pursuing that. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to get married next year. Awesome. Um, but I, in regards to career, I mean, I want to do this until I am... 70 80 yeah. you know i mean i think there's always a market for health and happiness regardless Absolutely. of your age and what's cool now is i don't think there's that strict parameter of maybe of the fashion world of like 18 to 24 especially for women you know yeah. i finally feel now i'm just hitting my stride going into my 10th year i finally found a team that i've really supports me and mm -hmm. has pushed me in the way that i feel like i want where I want to go. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm still just in the beginning, yeah, which is really exciting. So like, I'm looking forward to like the next 10 years and, yeah. and developing more as even a better model. Um, and yeah, I, I really love what I do. So, um, continuing on the modelina path, the modelina path. I mean, <laughs> there is so much room for growth because like you said, that whole like ingenue, Oh, your career's over at 24 thing is, no. I mean, if you want to have a specific career, maybe that's the case. But with me, you know, I was kind of the young, cool guy for a while. And then now I'm getting into my, you know, early 30s and I'm getting the young dad roles. And that's exciting to me because it's a whole new realm to explore. And it's like, I want the gray hair. I want the salt and pepper right. look because I'm going to be even more uh, marketable in mm -hmm. that category as I get older. And you know, as I spend more time around children and actually living the life that they want me to portray on screen. So, you know, art sort of starts to imitate life, like you doing prom dresses when you're getting ready for prom, you know, you're going to be best suited for the roles that, that coincide with what you're actually doing in your life. And so for you, it sounds like health and lightness and happiness are um, where you're at. And it certainly reflected in your portfolio. Thank you. I really um, do you have any designs on any projects outside of modeling in terms of the health and wellness space? That's obviously a very popular area right now, especially in LA. Yeah. I mean, last year um, I took, um, I went to the Academy of Beauty mm -hmm. and I got my esthetician license. Cool. I took no night courses just because I've always been interested in skincare. Yeah. So on the side, I'm always learning more. I'm really into Chinese medicine and acupuncture has completely transformed my life. Really? I want to try that. Oh, wow. Transformational. I, yeah. I mean, in the best of ways of health and um, groundedness and center and calm. I love, oh, goodness, I could go off on and on about. Wait, go on and on. I want to hear more because <laughs> I've never done it and I know a lot of people have and you know, I'm always a little leery of what's placebo effect, what, you know, homeopathy, I don't know, but everyone I've heard has gotten acupuncture. Like, like I went in skeptical and I walked out feeling like a million bucks. Yeah. So can you tell me about like your first experience or how you got into it? Yeah. Um, well, I was, I originally went into it because maybe TMI, but I was dealing with just health and hormonal issues. Sure. And I really, I've, I grew up holistically and going to natural paths. And so I was inclined to try um, Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. And I got the referral to a great acupuncturist here in Santa Monica from my chiropractor. And I, I was really excited to try something new because I tried everything around the books for my hormones and nothing was working. Yeah. And, um, also, in addition, just I, I want to be open if anyone else is dealing, girls are dealing with this out there um, with um, 
you know, adult breakouts and acne. And as a model, how stressful that really, mm -hmm. really, really was. So again, I really just wanted to be my healthiest and fittest and was trying everything. And for me, that was Chinese medicine. That was really, I mean, within six sessions, I was, um, so I like committed to be consistent, which was really important. And for me, her uh, space, she's created, like I call it like a little sanctuary. Like I, I can go th in there and just feel really peaceful and yeah. calm. And it's just her energy and her aura yep. that allows that. But Well, it's going to be work. comforting if they're sticking needles in your face. I would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Like people like I think as, uh, associate a lot of pain with it. Yeah. Uh, for me, I have a really high pain tolerance, especially as like an athlete. Like, so that's sure. not a thing that bugs me. I just want to be healed. I am like, yeah. I was really open. You have to go in wanting to do it. You have to be open-minded. Mm -hmm. So I was like, just here we go. And um, for me, actually, the most amazing part about it was the spiritual aspect. Yeah. Um, and the, I would say, the groundedness and the calm. Mm -hmm. Every time I get off the acupuncture table, I'm not in my mind anymore. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, modeling. We were talking about the flow. We get out of our mind really quickly. Right. For me, it's modeling and acupuncture that get me out of my head mm -hmm. easiest. Yeah. And um, uh, it's so... I... I when I come from a, a place of confidence and calmness and I'm, I'm not swirling, life becomes very simple. Mm -hmm. So it's really helps me just be, be still. Yeah. <laughs> still, still. Thank you. Still. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's something I've been working on lately is just trying to find stillness because, you know, like I said, it took me an hour to drive over here and it's traffic and the, am I going to be late? And it's so easy to be stressed and feed into this chaotic life we've built. And, finding that stillness I'm trying to do more of mm -hmm. and it's like that feeling when you go into a really hard yoga class where you want to quit and then you accept it and you get through it and then you get to shavasana and you're laying there mm -hmm. and you sort of go into that like dream state that's like that's a perfect yoga class for me is when I like, don't quite fall asleep but I'm just like mm -hmm. I'm not there mm -hmm. and then I walk out being like I'm hot like I am mm -hmm. I feel great mm -hmm. and if I do that early in the morning or if I do a hard workout early in the morning the rest of the day is just kind of like, oh, like this is fine. So how else do you find that sort of that flow or that stillness or that, you know, what do they call it? The monkey mind, like Ooh. getting rid of your monkey mind, the chatter. Yeah. Um, well, just another point on acupuncture I wanted to yeah, say. Yeah. Is one thing she really taught me and I wanted to mention this was um, as a model and any 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 human rest is part of our job yeah that was a huge learning for me mm -hmm. right as doers as athletes as you know Absolutely. in this job it gives you a lot sometimes the freedom of the gift of time very lucky with that and with that though i've had to really learn and accept that rest is part of the job yeah i don't always have to be doing something and just yeah. i can just enjoy life like yeah. oh wow i'm just gonna relish and marvel and um, the beauty and the brilliance of having the time. Time and space. And space, yeah. Letting so. your mind kind of wander or just be still. And I've like just sleep for me lately yeah. has been, you know, I will run around all day and then I get home and we make dinner and, you know, put the girls to sleep. And then it's like I have 8 p.m. till bedtime to like do something. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's like the best thing I can be doing is nothing. Like I got a lot done today. So just like chill. Mm -hmm. Like you don't need to have a drink or like work on something or like, like last night I fell asleep at 830 and then slept till yes. 730. Amazing. And it was just like my body wanted that. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah, rest. There's a new book out or a couple, maybe it's a year old called like Why We Sleep. And I can't remember the author, but if you're underslept, if you're getting like less than seven hours, multiple nights in a row, you're basically like drunk. Like you are impaired to the to the point where you shouldn't even be driving. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of case studies about like doctors who notoriously don't sleep well and they're performing surgeries. And, you know, if they perform a surgery at a specific time of day versus later in the day when they're more tired, like they're making more mistakes. So mm-hmm. like rest is so important. Huge. And when you have a sort of, you know, like you do and I do a freelance lifestyle, it's like you can always be working on your portfolio or working on something personally it's hard to turn off that productivity desire so i'm, I'm working on balancing that out too mm-hmm. do you meditate or anything like that it sounds like you have a very holistic spiritual background and mm-hmm. um i wish i was better at meditating i know me too that's why i asked <laughs> i use an app um tomorrow levitt calm okay i absolutely love her messages and like it's like a 10 minute meditation i'll yeah. do when i'm doing my my led light or i'm you know settling down for bed but my current practice i'm actually doing like a course i love inner work mm-hmm. and um that for me is a meditation more so um to yeah be stiller so i'm i'm doing a course it's not necessarily meditation but it's more of like a inner inner workings awareness course yeah <clears throat> yeah i mean i've always tried to have like a meditation practice like right. sit for 20 minutes and do the vipassana focus on breath and i've just never gotten it to stick so i found other things that you know like i've talked about before working on my serial killers or whatever where i'm if i just let myself do that one thing that repetitive task which is similar to just watching your breath and then don't listen to a podcast don't watch netflix and just kind of let my mind go mm-hmm. it's the same idea of watching your thoughts as they like you know leaves floating down the stream and it's like what's popping up what's important what's not important just trying to find more of that that perspective because it's so easy to just go 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 and i don't think it's great for your you know like your cortisol levels your hormone levels your stress levels mm-hmm. um which can lead to more stress more breakouts more mm-hmm. Um, spiral just stuff to get ahead of it it's awareness really yeah yeah so use the calm app you said Mm -hmm. yeah i just did a spot for them and i i've tried headspace i've tried um a different meditation app i'm really curious about tm i have Mm -hmm. some friends who live in fairfield so i'm thinking about going out there and taking that course because i know a lot of creatives do it like jerry seinfeld's big on it Mm -hmm. um yeah i don't know it's i guess it's just a lifelong process of tapping in and yeah finding what works for you yeah and it can can shift over time too so being okay with like okay today's that that's not working so i'm going to do a nice walking meditation yeah in the mountains yeah you know so shaking it up and kind of yeah i think getting into nature is a big one for me yes because it's you know i do the canyon hikes as much as possible with my dog but getting into like true nature outside of the confines of la is every time i do it i'm like why don't I live out here? Like, I don't, you know? Yeah, I, I completely agree because uh, LA can be kind of a crunchy spot in yeah. the sense we're driving a lot mm-hmm. and it's a city within m- many cities yep. and not really like a downtown or walkability and like my body and I crave to walk a lot. Yeah, me too. So like on the off days, I'll just go out for hours in the mountains Yeah, just to be out in nature and stillness because LA is like a very, yeah, busy bee vibe. Yeah, where are your hiking spots? Where are your... 
What do you like to do? Um, I love. Oh, I live here in Brentwood, and I love doing the Westridge or Will Rogers. Yeah. But if I have more time, I'll go out to Malibu mm-hmm. and actually hit up spots that I grew up on, like Chesbro Canyon. Um, I love. Uh, it's so beautiful, and especially green back there. Coming out the spring. Mm, not yet, but yeah, soon. <laughs> whatever month it is. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and I get to. Um, yeah, the whole Backbone Trail is really lovely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Santa Monica Mountains, just to see the beauty here. Yeah. Um, I kind of struggle sometimes with like, um, with living in LA mm-hmm. <clears throat> and my fiance and family are here. So I, I love it for that reason. Yeah. But my heart's actually in Hamburg, Germany. Really? Yeah. I have this really weird, like I need to be in Germany thing within me because uh, yeah. I've worked there and I spent a lot of time there. So for me, I am working on having a Hamburg state of mind here because <laughs> I'm happiest to like mental, like just calm yeah. and clarity in Hamburg. And I'm like, well, well that, ex- that part of me exists inside myself. Yeah. It's my job to find whatever I feel in Hamburg here, because this is, this is where my, my family, my fiance, mm-hmm. my everything is right now. So I need to, yeah, I'm learning how to tap into that part of me and be happy wherever I'm at in the world. I think that's a really good perspective. I, I heard some anecdote about someone who spent years and years and years it's an ashram in india you know eating simply service cleaning meditating all the time and then they finally went back to the states to visit their family for a few weeks and they came back to the ashram and they're like oh it's so terrible there it's so noisy i can't stand it and then everyone was like what work have you been doing here like you if you can't you know it's not just to be happy in the ashram it's to take it everywhere Uh, it's it put it in you so you can be at that level of peace anywhere so what is it about Hamburg, Hamburg, I don't know yeah, Hamburg, it. Hamburg, Hamburg, that, um, what, what about it gets you there? You know, I don't know anything about that town city. Wow. Uh, for me, when I first went there, it was a quest of work opportunities abroad and mm-hmm. self-reliance. Yeah. I'm very close with my family. And that was the first time, uh, 17, 18, I was absolutely alone and, yeah. you know, probably like your experience in the Middle East and Steph's experience in Italy. It's like you're by yourself and you need to figure it out. And I learned so much about myself. I feel like I really grew up there. Absolutely. I got a great, you know, it helped that I had modeling and working and I met some of my best friends there in the model flat. I love the German culture, something really about the uh, professional politeness Mm -hmm. really aligns with who I am. Yeah. And yeah, their value system is just very... Uh, yeah, clean cut. And I just, I like, I really like the vibe there. I like the mom and pop shops. I love the German bread. Yeah. I love the Ulster. I'm a big runner and they have like the most beautiful 10K like r- lake loop right in the middle of the city. It's the most walkable city. I walk all day long. It's just like th- my ideal life. Yeah. Right. Um, in every sort of the sense, I, except my fiance and family, you know, are not there. Right. Huge thing. But <laughs> would I, they, would, would your fiance <clears throat> go there? Is that yeah. a discussion? Well, we've had our, this discussion. Yeah. My fiance and I, we dream about one day owning a place there and having like a second, you know, Ulster flat. A retreat, yeah. A retreat home that we would go for like a month or two or later down in life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's in our cards. We're actually buying for our, our Christmas gift is Rosetta Stone. I've learned German, but I, it's a little like off and on for me. If I'm not there, yeah, of I really got to work on it. And he really wants to learn. So I am so grateful. Uh, my amazing fiance, Matt's on board and loves it as much as I do. Yeah. And yeah, that's going to be in our future for sure. And in the meantime, I just try to get over there, you know, once or twice a year just to recenter myself because yeah. I feel so at home there. What What's cool 
For me, why I love it is I can, like we were talking about with the stillness of the mind here, for some strange reason, maybe it's because I grew up and it's just the LA nature of just always never being enough and I have to do more. Mm -hmm. And there I am completely enough as is. Like if I have a free day off of modeling, I just love being in the city. I mm-hmm. go, or the, the the nature, I go sit and I read a book. Mm-hmm. I can I would never do that in LA. Like, I'm <laughs> gonna go sit and read a book. Like, no, I'm gonna go do thousands of things. Yeah. Like, I just let myself be still there much more easily. So that's why here I'm like, if I can access that within myself and not yeah. have those those pressures of um, not doing or being enough, why can't I find that here in LA? It's harder, but that's the great learning here. So I'm grateful I have that opportunity. Yeah. Well, that's a good dichotomy to have is the... You get the grounding there and then you come back here and get tested as like, right. can you maintain yes. it or right. can you fall into the trap of, yeah, I'm not enough. And, you know, that kind of goes back to my our discussion about, you know, film and the acting world. It's like you're never enough in the acting world because you can always do better and be bigger. And I don't like that. I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to fall no. into that trap, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And just really seeing the beauty of what we've already created. Yeah. And um and being happy exactly where you are. Yeah, I mean, Pete Holmes, which is one of my favorite podcasts, he's a comedian, and he talks about how if you're not happy on the plane to Hawaii, you're not going to be happy in Hawaii because it's all, you're on the plane now. You gotta might as well be happy now. It's like you, otherwise, you just never get there. It's mm-hmm. this, it's this, uh, you know, this carrot and dangling in front of you for the rest of your life. It's like. Well, Hawaii is good, but like, I really wish we were staying in the Four Seasons. And like, you know, in, in a couple of years, we can afford that. It's like, no, you got to be happy where you are because you're not going to be happy. You know, tomorrow never comes. Right. And uh, I think that's a great perspective to have. Does your husband work in the industry or your fiance, sorry, work yeah. in the industry? No, he doesn't. And it's actually a great compliment. Yep. We are very different in that sense. Mm-hmm. He is in the finance world. Okay. And I, um, have you seen Shark Tank? Of course. So basically, he works for a company like Shark Tank, and he looks at hundreds of companies a year and picks out the winning horses and invests and owns them and then is their growth coach. So I've learned so much about, you know, all sorts of companies and businesses through him. Also, he gives me that structure Mm -hmm. that our our world is very like free flowing. And Mm -hmm. I love that, too. But having that, yeah, more stability and I feel like I've gotten like a business degree from him yeah. i love his sense of calm and strength in his world because it's a very stressful world of course. and the people he works with and 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 he just really remains like the calm strong one and that is i love that about him yeah i mean that's, that's a great balance do you think he's helped you in terms of thinking of your career and yourself as a business Absolutely. He's really helped me yeah. own me being my own mother agent. Yeah. And helped me with my uh, conversations, my emails. You know, I can flitter and fly with my emails of too many details. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's yeah, just yeah, cut yeah. this. No you one know, needs all what that. What the yeah. heck's happening here? So he's really helped me filter and be very efficient and direct. Yeah. I've become v- much more direct, which I, I love. Yeah. And I mean, that sense of focus in terms of identifying the jobs you want to book and moving towards those jobs and then just you know it's so easy to be like oh that i forgot about that check or like when's that you know what's the usage up on that like should i be getting more money mm-hmm. it's really easy to just kind of like float between jobs and ex- expect the checks to arrive but the more diligent you are about treating yourself like a business the more business like you become and it you know you have greater financial returns and you feel 
more confident in the fact that you're just this person wandering around from casting to casting and shoot to shoot, you know? which gets a little like, who am I? What am I doing? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, is there an actual business in the Modelina lifestyle? Or like, I'm curious about that. You kind of have referenced the Modelina mindset. Is that just the way you sort of, I don't know. What, what is it? Tell me more. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's just been my like brand name, if you will. Yeah. So my name's Tara, but growing up in, in the industry, everyone calls me Tara. Mm -hmm. And then I always wanted to change my name to Tarina mm -hmm. um, because a great good friend of mine called me um, Tarina growing up. Anyways, I just love rhyming and I was a, like a ballerina being a rhythmic gymnast. So like I love Inas. Yeah. I don't know, Tarina, ballerina, modelina, it kind of just all works. My horse was named Felina, like for some reason. Lots um, of Inas, yeah. It's just kind of this thing, this thing I have. And the way I like, yeah, it's kind of my way of life when I talk about the mod. For me, like, I think there's been discussions on recent podcasts of like how funny it is when you're like, yeah, I'm a model. Mm -hmm. And when I describe my world or, you know, in my Instagram bio or whatever, like as more modelina, mm -hmm. I feel like it has more, uh, it just kind of eases it. And it's yeah. like more me. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I get that because yeah, model is sort of a, I struggle with it. I think we all struggle with it. And like everyone is, I, there's always more to it. You know, that's why, yeah. I'm, you know, I've seen that you've done some like, you know, beauty tutorials and just like sharing your poetry and things like that, where it's like, you don't have to be just model. You can be mm -hmm. modelina. Which yeah, is, add your own flair. Yeah, yeah. And it's cool that, you know, you're not like trying to launch a skincare line or like all these models are trying to do something, which is great. If, if mm -hmm. you're passionate about it and you really care about it, like absolutely put that into the world. But you can also just be yourself and be modelina. And I think that's beautiful. Um, do you have any last bits of advice for any of our listeners in terms of how you've come to where you are in this very balanced, grounded state or modeling or I don't know, anything you'd like to share? Wow. Um, I would say if you're getting into the industry or even if you're already in it, how beautiful and wonderful a stint abroad is yeah. if you have the opportunity to model in a different market mm -hmm. go for it and take the leap because you learn so much more about yourself yeah and that isolation is big for growth yeah i think traveling alone is huge yeah um and then also i just i feel like i've become a the more that I've owned myself, the more successful I've become as a model. Absolutely. They go hand in hand. And so that's owning my strengths and my weaknesses mm -hmm. and not trying to be anything but or who I am currently. And in the beginning of modeling, I thought I had to be a thinner, smaller version of myself or yeah. a cooler, you know, so something that I assumed the clients wanted. Mm -hmm. And it's so silly because all along I just needed to be me and the more that I've just accepted and owned my athleticism, my energy, quirkiness, it's like it all starts flowing and real and life becomes really simple. Yeah, I mean that's such a there's that trap to fall into. It's like this constantly moving target of like, oh, I think I should be leaner, oh, I should be more muscular. And it's like there's a job for you, whatever you are right now. So just be you, be comfortable. Yes. Because like, yeah, there's gonna be times where they want some fitness model for you know, a fitness brand who's completely shredded, like veins popping and like, I'm not that guy right now. But there's also going to be jobs where they're like, oh, thank God you're not too shredded because we want you to look a little more relatable. So just like be comfortable, feel good in your own skin and know that like you can't book every job. Mm -hmm. You can't. It's impossible. You can't be all things to all people. Mm -hmm. So be 
what you want to be and trust that the rest will fall into place. I think, right? Couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I think you got a great perspective. So thank you so much for, for having me here. Thank you for being on. And I hope I could get to see you out there in the real world. Yes. I hope we book a job together. Thank you so much for having yeah, me. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get booked now. Yeah. Right? I'm sure. Yeah. Thanks again. Thank you so much. All right. Appreciate bye, kids. It. Bye.